The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on September 19th, 2022. The woman in your life will do what she must do To comfort you and calm you down And let you rest now The woman in your life, she can rest so easily She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you everybody and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holt and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer and co-producer Ken Norton. Good morning and welcome back, Ken. Well, thank you and good morning, everyone. Did you have a good time visiting your mom? This oh, I did. Nothing like visiting your mom. Anyway, we were gone for last week, and I want to welcome Ken back, and I'm glad to see him back in the studio, and I'm glad we're back in the studio. Hey, listen, I'm so excited. Joining me in the, in the studio this morning is award-winning journalist and is the local communist, a co- communist, God, columnist, my goodness, Elaine, for the Press Democrat in Sonoma County. Benefield was a member of the Press Democrats reporting team that was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for breaking news for the newspaper's coverage of the daily of the deadly wildfires of October 2017. Boy, do I remember that. Uh, our in, during our interview, it's truly an honor to have her in the studio, and my goal for the interview is to talk about the challenges of being a woman journalist, along with inspiring others to seek a career in that area. I just think she has a lot of great information to uh, share with us. Well, as you, most people must know that it's National Hispanic Heritage Month, which happens from September 15th to October 15th, 2022. You know, each year Americans observe National Hispanic uh, Heritage Month from, 50, uh, uh, from September 15th to October 15th by celebrating the histories, cultures, and contributions of American citizens whose ancestors came from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central and South America. Wow. This observation started in 1968 as Hispanic Heritage Week under President Lyndon Johnson and was expanded by President Ronald Reagan in 1988 to cover a 30-day period starting on September 15th and ending on October 15th and was eradicated into law on August 17th, 1988. Wow. It's really the day of September 15th is significant because it is the anniversary of the independence for Latin American countries, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nigeria. Wow, that's amazing. In addition, Mexico and Chile celebrate their independence days on September 16th and September 18th. Also, Columbus Day, or Dia de la Raza, which is October 12th, falls within this 30-day period. Well, happy National Hispanic Heritage Month, and I want to do a shout-out to the Press Democrat. They had a wonderful article on one of our other women's shows called, and uh, read your Press Democrat, just an amazing, amazing article. Well, I have a few announcements to make, and the first announcement I want to make is tonight, which is September uh, 19th. I can't believe it's already September. Half of the month is already gone, for heaven's sake. Uh, The Sonoma County now is going to be doing a film. It's going to be the uh, California Women Win the Vote. Very, very interesting film. It's going to be happening at the Peace and Justice Center at 467 Sebastopol Avenue in Santa Rosa, and you can go online and, and 
and reserve this lim limited speak uh, spaces, but I know that they have a little bit of room left. And you can go to www.evanbright, E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E, and you can reserve a space, or you can go to nowsonoma.org and get more information on it. But that's going to be tonight, September 19th, from 7 o'clock to 8.30 uh, p.m., and it's going to be at the Peace and Justice Center, 467 Sebastopol Avenue. Well, I have a, a very interesting um, announcement to make or a little uh, shout-out here. You know, every once in a while, people get, email me. They ask me if I can make special announcements or let people know what's going on with them. And I'm really happy. One of my fans called me, Carol Goshorn, and she has a program called MEG, Empowerment Campaign for Women and Girls. I love it, you know, empowering one another. So important, especially in today's world. And um, what her their mission of the program is is to support women who are homeless and provide grants for women who want to or who are attending Santa Rosa Junior College or Sonoma State here in Sonoma County. Uh, she claims that she's a 501c nonprofit and she needs help. You know, right now she doesn't have a website, but you can call her at 707-527-7563 and see if there's something you might be interested in helping her. You know, from what I understand, she needs help with a website and she needs uh, help uh, marketing. You know, with so much going on in the world, I know a lot of people are depressed. And one of the best ways to come out of depression is to get involved. And here's a young woman who's starting a program and needs some help. You know, maybe there's a you know, person out there who's uh, familiar with 501C's nonprofit can help her. Again, her telephone number is 707-527-7563. And I want to do a special shout out for her and to thank her for being such a loyal fan to Women's Spaces. And I hope, I hope someone contacts her. And also a reminder that everything that we say on the, on the show, any websites we give, etc., you can always find them on our website at www dot womenspaces.com remember two s's in the middle well here we go again you know here it is monday morning and we're going to talk about our history is our strength and you know i have to repeat this all the time because what's so important about our history our history tells us how we've succeeded how we failed how we can improve all kinds of different things and for me personally as a woman it gives me a lot of inspiration when i find out some of the uh some of the groundwork that women have laid that make it possible for even me to be on the air and even for for uh, we're going to be interviewing a world-renowned journalist. I mean, 20, maybe 50 years ago, it would have been a little bit different. It wouldn't have been quite as easy for us to do what we are doing, and we need to appreciate that. But that's part of our history. That's part of our women's history. So today is September 19th, but we have on September 20th, 1973, and I have to say this because I remember it like it was yesterday, Billie Jean King defeats Bobby, no board can beat me and may he made such a big deal about it rigged in the battle of the sexist tennis matches that was an amazing event you know 1973 yeah television was still a phenomena and it was amazing to see Billie Jean King uh, defeat him and also he got on the air bragging he says nobody can beat me you know and here she took him you know she took the title away from him so happy birthday Billie Jean King and now we have some other uh, interesting uh, birthdays happening on September 
first 19 excuse me 1898 and she made her transition in 1987 can you imagine the woman was born in 1898 and to accomplish what she accomplished francis albier she was a, a disciple of marcus garvey expanded his vision to include black women organized waiters in the Pullman Company, declared don't buy where you can't work, was one of the first black women welders in 1942. Well, that was during the war years, you know, when people were, you know, good jobs were available, but it's still an African-American woman to stand up and to do some of the things she did. So she made her transition in 1987. So happy birthday, Frances Albeer. Boy, what a woman that was. When you, when, you, when you go on the line and you find all this history, it's just, it's just amazing to me what women have accomplished. Well, here's someone that we should all be familiar. She was born September 22nd, 1899, and she made her transition in 1990, and that's Elsie Island. A-L-L-E-N. She preserved and revitalized the culture of the Northern California Promo Indians who made exquisite baskets from native plants. And, you know, also a high school is named after here, her here in Santa Rosa. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. I'm going to read, I'm going to read what I have here. So I'll make sure that we get all the information. Elsie Comanche Allen was born on September 22nd, 1899 near Santa Rosa, California. Her parents, George and Annie Comanche. Comanche is a, is a version of the promo name Kumucho, where wage laborers, they were wage laborers who worked on farms owned by non-Native Americans, a job that was common for promo people in the early 20th century. She was a Native American pomo basket weaver from the Cloverdale Rancheria of Pomo Indians of California in Northern California. And significant as for historically categorizing and teaching California Indian basket patterns and techniques, sustaining traditional promo basketry in an art form. And like I said, there is a high school that's named after her here in Sonoma County. So just amazing. Happy birthday, Elsie Allen. Wow, what a woman. You know, when you think about some of the hardships that the Native Americans had in California, and you think that she was able to bring... Uh, bring forth basket weaving and keep the traditions of the promo, uh, promo Indians alive. I mean, that really says a lot about her. Well, another wonderful woman that was born on September 23rd, 1838, and made her transition in 1927. Now, this was really interesting to find this out. It was Victoria Woodhull. She's a feminist, the first woman. She was the first woman candidate for the United States president in 1872 for the Equal Rights Party. I didn't even know they had an Equal Rights Party back there. She was the first woman with her sister, Tennessee, to become members of the New York Stock Exchange in the 1870s. Now, that was a phenomena. I mean, just think about it. She was probably one of the only women with all these men. And just think of the courage that she had to have to stand up and be part of that. And then there's one last person that I want to honor. And these women, I mean, these are the women that we're standing on the shoulders of. These are the ones that, these are the ones that have paved the way for all of us. And it's so important to acknowledge them and to acknowledge them in ourselves. You know, I remember when I was going to Sonoma State, I didn't even know there was women in history, to be honest with you. I was dear friends with, uh, with uh, 
uh, Molly McGregor, who began the uh, National Women's History uh, Alliance. And I remember when we were walking down, going to class together, she says, you know, J.J. Wilson, who was one of our teachers, is doing a book on women in art. And I looked at her. I says, oh, there are women artists? I mean, that's how, I mean, when you start thinking about it way back then, I mean, it was like we very rarely knew of some of the accomplishments of women. Well, here's a wonderful, wonderful woman who was born on September 23rd, 1863, and made her transition in 1954, well, when I was only 14 years old. Mary Church Terrell, she was outstanding speaker, the first president of the National Association of Colored Women in 1896. She picketed in Washington, D.C. for women's suffrage and desegregation. And it's so interesting when you think about this woman, Mary Church Terrell, she went to in front of the White House protesting so women could get the right to vote, but black women did not have the right. We're not going to get the right to vote, but they still stood strong with their sisters, and I'm glad things have changed. I mean, right now, when you see what's going on, uh, African-American women are making quite an impact on our culture and running for office, and all kinds of great things are happening, and it's because, because we'd allowed that. You know, we had civil rights acts and all kinds of different things in this country. You know, I, I really get sad when I think of people uh, talking down the Constitution of our United States. The thing that's so interesting about it is it's a flexible document. We can make changes. It's not a perfect piece. It's not a perfect legislation, but it's flexible, and we've made many, many changes, and we have to be very, very careful that we don't go backwards. Well, that's a lot to think about, but, you know, I think it's important that we know all these different things about our history. You know, really, really important. Well, I think right now we're going to take a musical break, and I really love this song. You know, I love Earth Mama. You know, I play her songs a lot. I hope I know she listens sometimes. Uh, she streams. You know, you can stream uh, the shows. And this, book, this song is so dear to me. It's called We Have Come a Long Way, Ladies, sung by Earth uh, Mama. And it really, it really talks about our struggle and how we have come a long way. And we need to hold on to what we've gained. We don't want to lose it. And the biggest thing that we do not want to lose is the choice over our own bodies. I mean, can you imagine government telling us what to do with our bodies? That that doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. I think we I think we're intelligent enough to know what kind of food we we want to eat, what kind of vitamins we want to take, you know, whether we want to take birth control or not or when it comes to that big decision whether we want to have children or not. Choice is extremely important and we have to remember that. And I'm glad to report that many many women are going and registering to vote and I hope that we all go out and we vote for people who support choice, who support the freedom of choice. You know, we have freedom of speech, and we also have freedom of choice, and they want to take that away. Well, they've already taken it away from us. I mean, look what's going on. I mean, it's just amazing. So let's go ahead. Uh, we're going to listen to that song, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Carrie Benefield, award-winning journalist, and who is the local columnist for the Press Democrat in Sonoma County, and she is, was a proud member. She, when we start, Before we started the show, she said, oh, I was just a little bit a part of getting this Pulitzer Prize, and I says, oh, no, it takes, it takes a village <laughs> <laughs> it takes a village to get a Pulitzer Prize. I'm convinced of that. When we come back, we'll be talking to uh, Cherry. Like I said, uh, she the group won the Pulitzer Prize for breaking news for the newspaper coverage of the deadly wildfires of 2017. Let's go ahead, Kent. 
Sometimes the hand that rocks the cradle has got to rock the boat. It's a line that I remember from the diary Grandma wrote as she rode the train to Washington to stand and speak her mind. She made some waves that brought a change and made a mark in time. We've come And rocky road We've come a long way, ladies And we still got a ways to go Once more those waves of change are moving From sea to shining sea Women and men are talking With the new Honesty about freedom and choices and how no one has to lose. The doors to the club are opening. God knows we've paid our dues. We've come a long, long way, ladies. From love and high button shoes to the capital steps and the evening news from women's wrongs to women's rights it's a rough and rocky road we've come a long way ladies and we still got a ways to go we've come a have a long way to go and like I said at the first segment you know we're losing our right to choose and that is so important well for you folks just joining in I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station its board of directors its members and women's spaces well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me on the studio is award-winning journalist Carrie Benefield. Welcome, Carrie. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. It is really an honor. You know, you've done a wonderful job with our local paper, and it's, it's just an honor to uh, be able to interview this way. Is it okay if I tell folks just a little bit about you? Of course. Uh, Carrie Bennyfield earned a master's uh, MA in journalism from the uh, from City University in London and worked at newspapers in New Mexico. Let's just turn that page. Louisiana before returning to Santa Rosa. She was hired at the Press Democrat Sonoma County in 2003. She has covered transportation, education, high school, and sports. Benefield was three times named a National Associated Press Sports Editor's Top 
10 columnist. Oh, congratulations. Benefield was a member of the Pe uh, Press Democrats reporting team awarded the Pulitzer Prize for breaking news for the newspaper's coverage of the deadly wildfires of October 2017. In 2021, that year, she won the highest award among columnists in California. Her piece uh, on a Santa Rosa man's decision to medically hasten his death won first place in the state for writing. Carrie Benefield was raised in Santa in Santa Rosa, and I have a little bit of trivia about her. She was uh, she played when uh, played uh, soccer. She was co-captain of the women's soccer team at uh, Cal before graduating with a degree in English. Well, you know, this is very interesting. What was this that you won this award here uh, for the decision to medically hasten the death? First place for the state writing. What was that? What was all that about? That was the story of Ralph Harms that we did. John Burgess shot some glorious photos. Um, and Ralph Harms was a Santa Rosa man who had terminal cancer. And he had struggled with it for some time and then made the, the decision to... Uh, get a prescription of medications that would end his life or it would, it would hasten his death is I think the better way to say it because cancer was going to end his life and he knew that and he was in pain um, and I knew him to a degree through my dad and he called a lot he was a sports guy and he called when he had made that decision and he said I I want to tell my story and we had a couple of very frank conversations about how that would go and what it might, the process might look like. And he was a super strong individual and said yes to everything. And John and I spent the next three weeks or so with him um, every day and, and, um, and documented that story. And it wow. was, yeah. So you went through the whole process too, probably. Yeah. Oh, what, what, that must've been a heart opening experience. It was, um, I think about it every day, some piece of it every day. Yeah. I can imagine. Well, you know, to begin with Carrie, you know, one of the things, this is women's spaces and my goal on many, many levels is to encourage women to speak out, to, to start looking at careers that, that make them happy and try to present women who have careers like yourself. So talk a little bit about how you first got interested in journalism. You know, what was your inspiration and some of your beginning challenges? Because you've been doing this for 30 years, you know, and <laughs> you know, at your beginning, it wasn't as filled with women as it is today. So what were some of your challenges and how what inspired you? I actually feel like in my tenure, it's been a pretty welcoming profession for women. Um, and I sort of personally backed into it. I didn't know what I wanted to do in college. I was an English major. And that was an easy, easy decision because I, I can't do anything else. Like I can read and I can write, but I'm terrible at math. I'm terrible at science. Um, and you know, I was a regular reader of the Daily Cal. We were regular readers of the newspaper growing up in my house. And I just kind of on a whim called the Daily Cal and said, you know, do you need a stringer? Do you need someone to freelance? And they did. And I picked up a couple of assignments. I, you know, made some mistakes early on. And I didn't write for them all that much before I graduated and still didn't know what I wanted to do. And I sent out my, my resume thinking I was hot stuff. You know, I had a degree from the Athens of the West. And thought that would just be my entree to any job I wanted, including the Press Democrat. And I just heard crickets. Um, but I got a job at a weekly in St. Helena. And that was really kind of life-changing for me. I loved that job. Um, they gave me a ton of responsibility. It was a small little paper. But the boss at the time, the editor, was extremely experienced. And he taught me a lot. And then I had great colleagues and just kind of free reign to learn. And I 
just loved it. I just loved it. What were some of the skills that you had to have? You know, I mean, it sounds like you were an English major, so you knew how to write. You know, you knew the language. But what particular skills did you have to learn to be a journalist and to be what you were doing? I mean, you have to, and I'm still learning. I mean, that's one of the draws of the job. Um, you have to listen to people. You have to be open. You have to be curious. I mean, you can't go into an interview or a situation like thinking you know exactly what's happening here. You really have to kind of open yourself up to, to being wrong and being challenged and just listening to people. Um, and then they're just basic skills of, you know, doing things. You can't procrastinate. you got to be on it. Like the deadlines can be kind of vicious and you have to be on top of that. But I think it's the holistic of just curiosity. You know what? You know, I'm curious. I know I write scripts for the show and it sometimes takes me three days. And I know that when you get a story, you have to run into your office because I, I was a journalism major. And so I understand when, you know, when deadline, what, 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 what is the secret to do? How do you do that? How do you get... <laughs> if you know and can let me know, I'd appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, when I switched over to sports, that was, that was one of the biggest jolts in my, in my life is I, I really wanted to do that. I wanted to change. And all of a sudden my deadline went from, you know, five thirty in the afternoon and kind of at a, not leisurely pace, but somewhat moderated pace to, you know, covering a game that ends at nine fifty two and you need the copy in by ten fifteen. And there were many a night where I just, I mean, I was hoping for like a trap door in the middle of the field that I could just drop in into and die because I just didn't feel ready. And um, but it's amazing. It always gets done. It always gets done. So um, it's a little frantic. I, I, I just have a huge respect because I wrote for the Gazette, but I had a whole month. <laughs> you know, I don't want to write this story, but when I would see some of the some of the ish, some of the things that you've written, I would think to myself, "What did she do? How could she? You know, she just got the interview yesterday, and now here it is in the paper already." So, very very interesting. Well, you know, you seem like a very confident person, and it seems like you're somewhat of a risk taker because you're willing to <laughs> you're willing to go for it. Where where do you feel you you know where do you get your confidence where does where does that come from I mean how how do you how do you what kind of self talk do you give <laughs> I don't think I'm that confident a person I'm uh, sweating profusely as we speak <laughs> um, I don't know I mean I just uh, I've been doing it a long time I I like what I do um, and I think that is like a natural buoy like you're not coming in dragging your feet like I just I like what I do. Um, yeah, but sometimes I need to give myself a pep talk. I mean, it's hard. And, and I think you can go into an interview that you don't know the answers and you've got to prep. And, and I think the more nervous I am or the more insecure I am about a topic, the more work I do before I, before I get into it, just to, just to gird myself or something that I don't see coming or whatever. You know, it's interesting you say that because when I was going to Los Angeles City College, that in order for us to graduate, we had to take public speaking. That, and, you know, if you, you just couldn't graduate. That was it. That you had to take it. So I go, I was so very shy. People don't believe that I was a shy person. And I walk into the class, and I'm sitting way in the back of the room. I feel, I'll just get the credits, you know. And he goes, one, two, three. And I had to get up and say my name. And for some reason, through a series of events, he put me on the forensic team. You know, and then he had us make a list of what we were for and what we were against. And we had to debate what we were against you know we would of the opposites and what I learned exactly what you said is somehow even though you're sweating even though you're nervous you just do it you say okay I'm going to do it and somehow 
because you do it, it gets done. You know, that's the difference. The most important thing that you said there, that, that's why it reminded me of just do it. When I used to write the scripts for those debates, I mean, I would, like you talk about sweating. I mean, I would be, my blouse would be wet. I'd be so <laughs> nervous. You know, it was a really, really a, a very interesting, interesting and dynamic thing. Well, you know, we, you know, journalism, you know, it is such an important thing. I mean, I, you know, Agreed. I grew up, I grew up with with Walter Cronkite. You know, I mean, I grew up. You know, part of my growing up was when I was in when I was pregnant with my daughter was the announcement of President Kennedy being shot. You know, hearing the journalists, hearing Walter Cronkite, and and we had just we just had little bits of news. We had one or two stations. Now we're just bombarded. I mean, I yeah. feel like it's twenty four hour news. But what what in your years of journalism, in your years of writing, what what is the kernel? What do you think is so important? What do you, why is it important that we have local newspapers? Why is it important that we have news and that we should listen to a variety, not just get stuck in one area? Oh, my goodness. I mean, local news is just, I mean, to me, it's everything. It's, um, it's city council meetings. It's the school board. It's, um, you know, when the elections come around and people are asking for bond money, what is it for? What's it going to be used for? What did they do with that last time? In a lot of ways, it can be very mundane and, you know, kind of you're, you're sitting through meetings and whatever, but you're keeping track and you're taking note. And this is the place we live. These are the taxes we pay. These are the, the people we elect are, you know, managing how our schools are run, how our, how our tax dollars are used. It's everything. Um, and to not pay attention to that or only pay attention to CNN or Fox and just that high level, whatever, those, those things are super important too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but to pay attention to ground level news, I just think is absolutely crucial to, to navigating your own life here. You know, why, why is my street not paved? Um, where was that earthquake and what's the damage to the hospital down the road? Those are all things that we try to monitor and track and, and we live here too, and we want to know the answers to it. And I just think it's, it's vitally important that, that we try to pay attention for people and with people because we live here and pay our taxes and send our kids to schools too. So I just, it's super important. Well, you know, it's interesting too. And, and I, I find it that if you pay attention to local, it's almost like you're practicing. It helps you start understanding more of the higher levels, you know, as you go into national and, you know, sure. and, and actually the whole the whole California state. And it's interesting you brought up earthquakes. You know, that was really some jolt we had. It was. I mean, that was that. I was, almost spilled my beer. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was really, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I had just sat down to turn on the news, and then all of a sudden I literally saw my house move. Very unnerving. Yeah. You, no matter how many times you felt that, it's very unnerving. It was. And they say they were two. I only felt one. It was like, zoo, zoo. it was really amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, Having, you know, been in journalism for 30 years, I mean, you've had a chance to analyze it, to look at it. You know, what, what, are, what are some of the most difficult aspects of the, of the job and what are the most, the, the most rewarding one, you know, and, and pick out one or two maybe. I, I mean, for me, and I think this is extremely personal to my or, or unique to my personality, um, I think one of the hardest parts of the job um, is not technology. It's not and it's nothing that's changed over 30 years. It's when you live in the town where you work and you know people, um, there's a great benefit to that. There's a great benefit to knowing who to call and who knows who and who likes who and why does this happen. And, um, but when uncomfortable things happen, when difficult things happen and you know the players, I struggle with that. 
I like making that call to someone who I've known for 15 years or who knows my mom or um, I personally struggle a little bit with that of just asking a hard question to, you know, someone who I've known since I was seven. Um, and I think other people, you know, may not, but um, that's something that keeps me on, on track. And I think another thing that kind of keeps me on track, which is a, it was the flip side of the good side of that is I assume I know everybody or I assume everybody knows my mom or, you know, knew my dad. And I try to treat people um, not as strangers, but that they, that they know me and that they are going to judge me for how I interact with them and to, and to be above board and to be polite, frankly. Um, I do my best to do that just because I'm, I'm invested here. I, I grocery shop in the morning and I don't want to bump into somebody that's, you know, thinks I treated them poorly or, or whatever. And that doesn't mean everybody has to like you but they have to think you did a fair job. But also, I think uh, one of the things that I'm noticing just being on the radio is that you have to know when to say no, that sometimes even though they know you, <laughs> even though they know you, and even though you know they want something from you, you have to say no. And you know that feeling when all of a sudden you say no, like, oh, I thought we were friends. I'm still learning that. <laughs> uh, you are 100% correct. <laughs> well, what are, what are some of the best aspects? And what do you, what's, what's one story that you could think of that you really just got off on? I mean, I like most of the stuff that I do. I just, um, I, I, I love it when it comes together. Um, and that's, I, I'm going to think of something specific in a second, but I love it when I feel like I've done the right work. I've done the lead up. It's all kind of right there. And the writing just flows. Like, that's a great feeling. Um, it's kind of a nerdy thing to say, but like when it just comes out super easily, I think that's great. Um, the, do- the job is different every day. Like the, the format's kind of the same and whatever, but you're talking to different people every day. I can kind of craft my own schedule and I can go after the things that I really like and they give me a lot of freedom to do that, which I'm extremely grateful for. Um, and I absolutely love that. Like I can do wacky stories that interest me. I can um, do kind of the oddball stuff and and say no to other things. Um, and I'm, I'm just trying to think of like something. Well, you, are, you are the local columnist. Yeah. I mean, what that means that you're covering, are you covering the whole counting as a local or is it just specifically a, a one area? How I mean, I, um, this is gonna be a bad answer. I should be doing more like kind of outside of Santa Rosa. I feel a little Santa Rosa centric sometimes, um, which yeah, I should, I, I should do a better that. job of getting out and about and like doing those things. Um, and that's another part of the job is that I was just talking to someone about this this weekend that I think in a lot of ways, like I've been, um, it's ingrained like that you sit at your desk and you do your thing and you grind and you feel like, okay, I'm a good little worker bee because I'm at my desk all day long, like type, type, type. But in this job, that's not what makes you good. What makes you good, I think, is being out there and seeing people and meeting different people and someone you've never met before and going to different things and just being out there and hearing and listening and like what's going on. And you're not going to know that if you sit at 427 Mendocino Avenue on the second floor all day. Um, so I, I'm trying to shed the skin of being the little worker bee who sits there and, and get out and do things. And it, and that I think bears fruit with better stories and more people and different faces and, and all those kind of things. So I'm trying to crack the whip on myself a little bit there. Well, I can only imagine what it's like being interviewed by you because I know we've had several conversations and you're, you're very easy. Don't tell my bosses that. No, no, I don't mean easy in a easy. I mean, you're, you're open, you're warm, you know, you're not, you're not threatening. You're, you're, you want to, you want to talk to you. It's not, you know, some people you don't want to talk to, you know, some people you don't want to look at. So, I mean, so I just, I just needed to say that. Well, we're going to take a musical break now and I hope you'll still hang in there with me. Did you want me to sing? Is that kind of musical break you want? (laughs) Well, uh, surprise, (laughs) no. 
But I'm going to play another song by uh, by uh, Earth Mama, which is called Made for These Times. And I want to dedicate that for, to you, Carrie, because I think you are made for these times. You know, you're a woman, you're a journalist, and you're doing quite a good job. So, so let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play that. And when we come back, I will continue my conversation with award-winning journalist Carrie Manifield. Go ahead, Ken. I will make a statement that I never make generally, but we are women of our times. You know, we are speaking out, we're speaking up, and we're trying to do the best that we can. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm going to continue my conversation with award-winning journalists here at the Press Democrat in Sonoma County, uh, Carrie Bountiful. Welcome back again, Carrie. Thank you. Anyway, you, you've been reporting. I mean, I, I, I've been reading you for a long time, and I always thought of you as, you know, you're, you're not old because, and not <laughs> new, but, but I, I'm surprised that you've been 30 years. I mean, congrats, so am I. So congratulations. Am I. <laughs> I know. You know, it just goes by so fast. What was it like when you began? You know, and how have things changed? I mean, you know, I know, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, when the Press Democrat was bought by the New York Times, I was running as the transition consultant. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it was very, it was very interesting. I actually, we had the first meeting in the boardroom. The boardroom was Third a, floor. a sanctuary before, no, okay. only the high authorities, but I was able, we were able to do the, uh, the, uh, consulting or the training or the talking or the you know the transition in that room was was really amazing and i saw major changes starting to happen right then when the new york that when that was Mm -hmm. the first time when they actually sold when they sold the paper so what what have you seen change and what's different what is happening how do you see the world even changing in the the county do we have 10 hours for that one (laughs) um i mean when i started it again like at the saint Helena star like technology just wasn't part of it um everything was on the phone i mean we had the internet but it, I remember it was dial up in that office and it was like I didn't do anything on the internet 
I was like a features editor and everything was on the phone. Everything was walking out the door and going to see people. And now some of it, so much of everything you can just, you know, you can search and you can find. And for a lot of people, there's no reason to go outside or there's no reason to go meet people face to face. And, um, but I, again, back to local journalism, I think that is absolutely key is, is to live in your community, do your thing, meet people face to face and, and almost go back in time and, and not use technology so much. I mean, I love technology. I love Twitter. I love to do all these things and I love to make videos and I've, I've tried to embrace all those things. But the key of the job, again, is is people and it's meeting people and it's seeking out new people and letting them into your, you know, not disregarding people because you don't know them quite yet. But um, it's the humanness of it, which I think hasn't changed, um, I hope, at least at least in local journalism. I think that's just the, the key to all all things. Well, you know, it's interesting when you, I, I visualize you going out and having to talk to many, many people. I mean, where do you get the confidence? I mean, some, <laughs> some of these people are strangers. I mean, you don't know. You really don't know who they are, or what, how they're going to respond to you. That's true. And, and you know, it, that happens where people have no interest in talking to a reporter um, because either what they expect is going to happen or um, one of my favorite things, and people are going to take this the wrong way, but when people say like, oh, I've been misquoted before. I'm like, how many times have you been interviewed? Like, <laughs> I think that's kind of like a silly response. Like, no, I'm not going to talk to you because I've been, things I've said have been taken out of context as if they had this long resume of being interviewed. Um, but you get that sometimes. Um, I mean, one of my favorite tricks on like tougher stories is just to ask someone to, to tell me like I'm in third grade, you know, explain this in the simplest terms. Like this is what you do every day as, you know, Mrs. Expert, you tell me what this thing that you do means and how, to, how do I break it down? Because I don't understand it and my readers don't understand it. And so I need to, I need to be able to be the conduit for, for a complicated thought. And I used to do that in sports all the time. If I didn't understand what was going on and, you know, some sort of machination of, of whatever. I was like, explain it to me of someone who does not watch the game of soccer. You know, what, what is happening here? What's the key to this? And, and that's a trick for any kind of topic is, is to take that expert and have them explain it to me very simply. And then I can, I can then explain it to people who are going to read it because people are not experts in things and we don't need them to be. Um, but I'm interviewing experts. So I have to be like the, I got to be the little the conduit for for breaking it down a little bit. So it sounds like sounds like the one of the most important things. Number one is to be prepared, and number two, not to judge the other person or judge yourself. It sounds like you have to sit down and kind of kind of feel your way. Yeah. I know for myself, everyone that comes in the studio is a nervous wreck. <laughs> you know, and I say just relax. You know, and and it, it, it a lot has to do with you. You know, you have to get the people to relax, to come down a little bit, and then especially they're saying, oh well, with me it's I've never been on radio before. With you it's I've been misquoted. You know, <laughs> so you know you have to have to overcome those barriers, and I think it takes a lot of your own self confidence and yeah. your own your own willingness to put yourself in front and of interesting and different experiences, right. and not knowing. And try to remember what it feels like to be on the other end of it or what it must be like to be at an event and have someone tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, can I have a minute, which is usually my intro thing. Like, can I talk to you? I'm from the Press Democrat. Like, that's got to feel weird sometimes. And so just to take a second and let someone, like, absorb that. Okay, what will that mean? And not take offense if someone has questions like, well, what are you going to do with it or what can I – they don't know. They've never been there before. So just take your time. It's like they tell you in sales. Don't the for number one rule in sales, and I would say the same thing in journalism. Don't take it personal. Yes, you know, just yes. get out there. And which is hard. Which is hard, but yeah. 
Well, you know, another thing that I find I find very interesting, you've written some pretty challenging stories. I know you talked about the award-winning one, but what, what other story that comes to your mind that really said, oh, you said to yourself, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this? <laughs> that one throughout, the Ralph Harm story throughout. I, I had, oh, my God, moments um, a lot. Um Gosh, like I, I think other, I think schools were always challenging for me because they're so important and and they've become a little like, I mean, during the coronavirus and and masks and vaccines and teacher safety and parents desperate to have their kids back in school. That issue was tough to cover um, because people were at such a heightened level of concern and stress um, that. And that was an ongoing story. And it was a national story, but it was very local, too. People on all sides of that issue were struggling. And, and I remember struggling to write it and, and trying to stay on top of it. And, you know, lots of people complaining that, you know, I wasn't pushing hard enough to get kids back in school or that I wasn't protecting teachers enough or my questions were too easy on so-and-so. And um, I remember that being sort of an, an ongoing challenge because it was so unprecedented. Like, I, that, was a, that was a tough go. <laughs> but, the, but you made it. Yes. You know, you made it through, and and that that's you know one of the things that if if for the listeners out there are listening is if one of the things that I find is very important that you go up to the challenge. You don't you don't pull back. You say, okay, I can. Yes, I can. You know, I I keep remembering with Obama when he was running. Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can. And that that is so important. That yes, I can attitude, and not to not to break off because you're going to be hit with these things so many times. Well, you know, this is a personal note. This is something <laughs> personal because. Because I, to be honest with you, you know, when I, when I, we decided to do the interview and I really appreciated that I had to change it and we had to move it up. So I really want to thank you for that. But what, you know, here you are, war, award-winning journalist, you know, and I know anytime a person gets award, you never think it's ever going to happen to you, but it does. What, what would it feel like? What did it feel like when you got the award, especially around, you know, this young, this gentleman that you were going through his, his choice to end his life, which to me it sounds like very emotional, and then also being part of this team, you know, working and getting the Pulitzer Prize. What did that feel for, like for you, and, and where did it take you when you got it? I mean, for Ralph, I felt like it was kind of honoring his choice to tell us that story um, because it was, it was, you know, a risk for him. I think it was hard for him at times. And, um, yeah, so I felt him in that, like that that, that, was, that was honoring his choice to, to let John and I into his, his last couple who, weeks. Who was John? John Burgess was the um, photojournalist who was with me at every point. Um, and in a lot of ways had a harder job than I did because that's – that's a tough, <laughs> I can't even describe it. That's a, that's a tough assignment to have a camera and, and document that. Um, and then the Pulitzer, I just, I mean, that was so emotional just because it was the whole unit. It was the whole building. Um, and, and covering those fires was so extraordinary. I mean, this was our town. It I mean, amazing. so many people that I knew lost their homes, so many. And every single day was just emotional and difficult and um and you're trying to do your job and um you know and your own world is a little scary um and this is sorry this is like my town I felt very like a strong sense of ownership for what was what was happening here um and we had people sleeping in our newsroom we had people like on the couch who were evacuated we had you know parents who had to bring their kids in because they weren't going to school and there were kids running around or you know um, it was an extraordinary time, and people worked so hard um, for so long. Uh, so that was, 
yeah, I just, I felt super grateful that, that people saw that and appreciated the good work that came out of it. Yeah, it was a, it was an honor to come a Pulitzer Prize in our county. I, I mean, mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean that was when I mean I was jumping up and down because, you know, being a journalism major myself, I understand what it takes to just write a story, let alone do a series of stories that were big enough to be uh, acknowledged and honored that way. Yeah. Amazing. So can so congratulations. Well. We're at the end of our segment. You know, it goes by very quickly. It does. It really you made did. that easy. It just, it just <laughs> flies. You know, and I, I like to give my, my uh, guests the, the last word, you know. And, and I always like to think of maybe there's a woman out there or a man out there. Somebody's out there that really wants to pursue a career in journalism. You know, what, what kind of suggestions would you give them? You know, what kind of, what kind of ideas would you would give them? Call me. <laughs> um, Seriously, I, I, I bump into kids that I've spoken in their high school classes and stuff. And I, you know, people who work at the Oak, the Oak Leaf, we just hired a freelance guy who I interviewed a bit ago and, and he's excited to keep going. Like, I love this job. Like, I will sell you this job. Um, if you call me and say, oh, should I do this? Yes. Um, yeah, so call me because I'm, I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> and what, what kind of skills do you, do you think a person needs to go? Although it's interesting what you said at the beginning of the interview. You were an English major, and all of a sudden you never thought you'd end up in journalism. Yeah, I mean, it, I just think it takes – it's hard work. Um, it's weird work. I think you have to be super open. you got to be curious. Um, I don't think you have to be a great writer. Those are things you can learn. Um, I don't think you have to be an expert in certain areas. I think you just have to have kind of like a go get them attitude and you have to be willing to learn on the fly. Um, you have to have thin skin or not thin skin. You gotta have thick skin. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I, it's a, it's a fantastic job for, for the right people. And so if people are into it, call me. <laughs> do you think when you say thick skin, do you think that the way you get your thick skin is by, is by getting out there and doing it? Well, if you can tell me how to get thick skin, I'm going to try because I have very thin skin and I'm, it's one of the drawbacks to my working life is my feelings get hurt. Well, <laughs> so don't pick on me. Well, I think, I think there's a sensitivity, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with the public and you know what's going on. You know, most people don't know really what's going on. Here you are, you're researching all the time. I know for myself, I find out things like, oh my God, I never thought this really sure. happened. You know, this really happened. So I think that, I think just the idea of just going ahead and doing it. Well, we have come to the end of the segment. And what I would like to do is like you said, people can call if you want to give your phone number, if you want to put your website, your email, whatever, and any last words that you would like to say, anything, anything that's in your heart or whatever you feel is important. To oh, my gosh. This. Um, well, for sure, call me if anybody wants to do this job. I'm at 707-526-8671. My email is easy. It's my name. It's K-E-R-R-Y dot Benefield, B-E-N-E-F-I-E-L-D at PressDemocrat.com. And um, I don't know what my parting words are. Keep reading the paper. It's uh, support the Press Democrat, support local journalism. We're trying hard. <laughs> well, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to do me a favor. Sure. I want you to go up and give... Uh, What's his name? Oh my God! He just slipped his mind. My, my slipped his mind. Mind the one who handles the editorials and the uh, 
Jim Sweeney. Jim, yep. I want you to go and give him a hug and tell him your name, <laughs> say hello, because I, I constantly drive him nuts. You know, oh, why is it my letter to the editor isn't there, Jim? And, you know, he's always got. So tell him I said hello. I will. I'm a fan of Jim. And do a shout Jim's. out to him. He does, and I he know does a great job. Oh, he's a wonderful guy. And yeah. also, you have a new, uh, a new editor. I guess he's been on for the last year. Year and a half, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he seems to be he seems to be getting behind the paper very well. Yeah. So thank you so much, so much, Carrie. Yeah, Benedict. thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. It really has. Thank you so much, and keep up the good work. I will try. <laughs> and if you need anything, always feel, you know, you always contact me. Will do. And thank you, thank you. Wow, what a great interview. What a great woman to have in our midst. What I love the most about this interview is just to see the sensitivity that it takes to be a good journalist and to go out there and to write these stories. It's just, it's just amazing. Well, you know, we have a little time, Ken. Oh, we got four minutes. So we got four minutes. And, you know, the show, the show in November, I'm going to be celebrating 10 years. And I really want some feedback. So please give me a call at, E-L, excuse me, email me at E-L-A-I-N-E, middle initial B-H-O-L-T-Z at gmail.com. And let's play, let's play maybe two minutes of a herstory, and then we'll, we'll do the final goodbyes, Ken. Here you go. We can't stop now. We've come so far Can't be content Where we are Oh, we see the statues And the monuments Of the history Written about man's achievements Well, what about her? daughter born on our mother earth deserves the chance to know her <sighs> well folks <clears throat> that's it for our show a special thank you to award-winning journalist Carrie Benefield for a great interview a reminder Tonight is the National Organizations for Women Sonoma County chapter, and we'll be showing the film How Women in California Got the Vote. I encourage all of you to go on nowsonoma.org and find out all about it. It's going to be at the Peace and Justice Center at 467 Sebastopol uh, Avenue in Santa Rosa. And you can go, like I said, to sonoma.org for more details and you know like I say every single show remember our children are the future and it's important to get involved and the very least you can do is register to vote and then vote and also 
another thing that's important is look at some of the organizations that are around here in Sonoma County and in the whole Northern California and see where you can put your energy. You know, there's all kinds of ways you can be involved. You can show up, you can be part of the team, you can help with PR, you can donate, you can be members of boards. There's all kinds of things that you can do for people who get depressed. The best way to get out of depression is to get involved. Well, this is Elaine B. Holtz, and you've been listening to Women's Spaces. And again, I'm going to say it. Remember, our children are the future. And look around. Look around you and thank, just count your blessings, how wonderful it is that you're living in Northern California. And so far, i got my fingers crossed. We just had that small earthquake. I hope nothing else happens. And remember, I look forward to being with you the next time. All a woman in your life, she can feel. Take you home now, the woman in your life. She can wait so easily. She knows everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Because the woman in your life, the woman in your life, the woman in your life is you. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on September 19, 2022.